Hello and welcome to the Bucket List Gamers podcast. I am Jay and I'm once again joined by Eddie. Hello. And this episode we are discussing a fighting classic, an arcade classic as well, Street Fighter 2, which is number 13 in the retro gamers list. Eddie, do you have any experience of Street Fighter 2, positive or negative? I mean, this is how this episode's going to go, I can guarantee you that. We'll dive straight in on that. Um, so literally, not so much passing the book as literally throwing it at me full force. <laughs> um, no, not particularly. I've played the, I think it was essentially a remix version on the 360. So they had that Summer of Arcade thing that they did every year where they sort of threw out a load of indie titles and then a couple of converted and upgraded classics. I did play Street Fighter 4, which had a banging soundtrack to it. It was sort of like Japanese, sort of J-rock rather than J-pop, which you don't tend to get very much of. But as for Street Fighter 2, my initial experience was it with Street Fighter was the film. Because hmm. oh our mutual friend Kev lent me and our other then friend the film to watch. Um, and that was about my total experience of um, Street Fighter in its sort of aggregate Oh, I think maybe I've got a little bit more experience with Street Fighter 2. They're not loads, but I remember playing it in the arcade. I mean, it came out in 1991, so I would have been five, six, yeah, around that. So it probably wasn't straight away, but I do remember they had it in the local arcade that was attached to a shopping centre where we used to go. So I did go in and play it a few times. I was never any good at it. I've never been any good at the one-on-one fighters, but I enjoy playing them. I just can't remember that many combinations and even if i know the combinations i still can't do them half the time i don't have that dexterity in my hands i suppose is what it is to do those combinations quick enough for it to acknowledge it or quick enough before the other person boots me in the face and then i'm not in a position to start doing those combos again yeah i mean it it's testament to the fact that it doesn't translate well to pad Mm. combat really uh, fighting one-on-one games do not translate very well to traditional controllers hence why when they re- uh, when they released street fighter 4 they literally brought out a full-size arcade joystick and three button desk pad thing and that was stupidly expensive i think it was something like 200 quid when it first came out sold completely off the shelf so no one could ever play it and i i just like you do not have the finger dexterity at all i think they do a gamepad or like a an arcade top pretty much with every street fighter and marvel versus capcom and all that release these days it seems to be the thing doesn't it and i think one of the most recent ones was the can't remember what game it was for or whether it was it it might have been one of those like built-in game things you know like uh the playstation mini and stuff where it just it was the word Capcom with two arcade top controllers built into it. And I think it was a plug and play, come to think about it. And that was pretty cool. But again, because of all the components in it, they're always stupidly expensive for people who aren't really into it. And because I'm no good at them, as much as I'd love one of those, I mean, the dream is to get one of those retro bit arcade cabinets, you know, with all the games built in and the proper clicky buttons and everything. I'm still saving towards it, but the, the pot, of money towards that gets less and less instead of more and more these days so i'm struggling but yeah i did price one up once with the proper light guns and everything because they've 
they've managed to make light guns that work with LCD TVs for them and they have recoil and everything on them like proper arcade guns and I messaged one of the companies and basically said look for a 42 inch screen with the two light guns the coin slot so it looks real the six buttons and joystick the whole shebang how much and I think it was close to three grand and I'm like yeah I'll, I'll get back to you and then never did um, so if you're listening, bit arcade, and want to sponsor the channel with one of those machines, <laughs> send Lots it my way, and uh, and we'll sort you out. But yeah, coming back to Street Fighter, it wasn't one I was ever good at, but I did play it a fair bit because I, I remember intensely wanting to try all the characters that were on the game, and then when it was like 50p a throw and there's 16 characters, it took me a while to to get through them all and sometimes I, I was always drawn to Blanca for no real reason but I would always pick him first every time I went into the arcade to play it. even though I played him a million times I was rubbish with him I don't know what it was but I was always drawn to just having another go with him first and there were a couple that I was like that Dalsim I was always one for picking Dalsim just because of the reach and that kind of thing and I think E Honda was the other one I used to pick quite often but yeah it's it it was one that I enjoyed playing, but I just wasn't good at. So I never really got much value out of my 50p because <laughs> I beat about three people and then that was it. I was back to start again. But I liked, I did like the aesthetic. The The characters look great. The backgrounds, which are all animated separately to the foregrounds, look great. The fact that there's certain objects that you can smash people into on certain stages at the sides, like barrels and crates and that kind of thing. I liked the fact you have that little world map you know that it the little plane flies around to take you to your next fight it's it's small things that don't really make a difference but it just made for this one big experience in an arcade and then i think the the thing that street fighter 2 did so well is the port onto home consoles especially the snes one is just so good it's so accurate uh, especially super is it super street fighter 2 the one where they really yeah. ramped it up and and they, they made it like arcade perfect almost. And like you say, apart from having the big joystick and buttons in front of you, it was like playing it in the arcade. Yeah, I mean, with you saying the whole world map thing as well, it, it it's not like it's got much of a story behind it. So, <laughs> yeah. so the whole world map thing is a bit of a, a bit of an illusion, really, because it's, it's essentially just, he set, doesn't Bison set up a fighting tournament and just decides to encourage the world's best fighters in the hopes that he might be able to brainwash the best ones. It's Something like, like that, yeah. Even Mortal Kombat's got better sort of track <laughs> record with storyline and they've rebooted it about six times, I think, the <laughs> overall Mortal Kombat universe. But uh, yeah, no, I get what you mean about the graphics. The art style, had, and it's translated really well to sort of Street Fighter Four because it's now the fighters are all 3D, but they're still in that sort of cel-shaded art style that's borderline manga-esque yeah. and the backgrounds when you're slamming enemies into the floor like if, if you're down by the docks sort of like the float rings fall off the ships and people mm. will fall over in the background or signs will knock out the ground and stuff like that so it is really well done particularly for something that's you know pushing 30 odd years old now it is it is still a very pretty game I mean, the sheer number of versions of Street Fighter 2 as well that they brought out. I mean, I don't know most of them because it's not something I keep up with, but I know there was, was it Street Fighter 2, Super Street Fighter, the Street Fighter, Al Super, uh, Street Fighter 2 Alpha, 
Yeah. Uh, it's like a hyper one or something like that. They just keep tacking words onto bits of the name <laughs> to make like a new version of it and then release it again. Yeah, uh, it does seem sort of de rigueur for stuff like that where they do just keep re-releasing it again and again and again and they're like, oh, well, we can't just release it with the same name. We probably need to staple some sort of unnecessary word onto the front or end of it just so people think that they, we've done something different to it other than just judge the graphics up a little bit, which is all they tend to do, or add in a couple of characters. I was going to say, they usually slam a few more fighters in that play very similarly to someone else, but they look a bit different and... Yeah. And that's enough. Uh, but I think for fans of the series, it's one of those things, isn't it, where if anything different, when you've, like you say, you've been playing it for 30 years, if they released it again tomorrow with three new characters, fans of the series are going to buy it because they get that hit of nostalgia and a little bit of something new and they get to do it all again. So, yeah, it's a good marketing technique and, and it's it's kept the game alive for, like you say, 30 years. And... It still keeps being brought out, even though there are multiple sequels to it. They keep going back to two because it is the place where it all started. I mean, for those not aware, we keep talking about Street Fighter 2 because Street Fighter 1 is not a very different game, just not a very good game, I suppose is the way to put it. It's still a one-on-one fighter, but it is so clunky and, I mean, not unplayable because back when it came out, people obviously did play it quite a lot, but... I wouldn't want to sit and play it these days. I mean, it is really, really hard to to get on with that game, I would say, the first one. And I think from what I've read, the arcade version had like these huge hypersensitive buttons that Atari had developed alongside Capcom. So I think in the arcade, it was a little bit better because you got a lot more reaction and feedback. Whereas like the, the console versions, I'm sure there was a console port, was there? Of the first Street Fighter, or is it just arcade yeah. versions, but without without the cabinet, you don't get the same button set up or something? I would assume that they did one for the NES, or something like that. Because I know they, they did Street Fighter 1, and then they sort of wanted to move away from the one-on-one fighter, because it wasn't a particularly popular... No, I think it was just arcade, you know, I'm just having a oh. look now. Um, but I think, yeah, if you play, hold on, a port for the PC Engine in oh. 1988. So it did, and then it got put on the Wii Virtual Console, which I can only imagine is horrible to, <laughs> to play that game with a Wii mote and a nunchuck. But yeah, going back to it, they did Street Fighter 1. It was a moderate success, mainly, I think, because of the allure of the cabinet and these buttons. And then, yeah, one on one fighters weren't a big deal. It, it was thought that they'd been played out and they were on the downward spiral sort of thing. So that's why they moved on to Final Fight, which we talked about previously, and did a, a double dragon rip-off, essentially, to try and cash in on that market. And then they did, oh God, what was it called? Was it like Street Fighter 2030 or something? It's like a futuristic side-scrolling shooter. Hmm. And that didn't go down well at all either. And then, yeah, they went back to the drawing board and did Street Fighter 2, and they just managed to get that perfect formula of of gameplay that just shot it into the stratosphere, and it became one of the most popular, if not the most popular, one-on-one fighter ever. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to argue for Mortal Kombat in that, but it was definitely <sighs> it the is... first good one, wasn't it, I would have said? Like, the first really yeah. good one. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. And I wonder whether Mortal Kombat's popularity stems from the overabundance of gore, um, so it appeals to a different demographic, and the fact Mm. that how many different Mortal Kombat's have there been now? Whereas I think we're only up to Street Fighter V. Granted, they've re-released loads of them again and again and again, but they have with Mortal Kombat. And the Mm. amount of DLC that Mortal Kombat gets is, quite frankly, disgusting on a yearly basis that they... And it seems to be on a par with Call of Duty these days. You go a year or maybe two years and then they do a new Mortal Kombat and then you get two years' worth of DLC, of DLC characters that they've just gouged out the game so they can gouge it out your wallet to buy them. Um, but yeah, Street Fighter, up until Street Fighter Five, because I know that was that was received so badly that that wasn't their best effort. But when you sort of your peaks are like two and four, they didn't put the same amount of effort in with five, and yeah, that wasn't received very well at all. So, but it's the fact that the characters feel different, whereas in Mortal Kombat they all because they are just violent people that like killing things that they all the all the sort of fighting styles seem to just look very similar whereas in street fighter they all at least play very differently um like blank has got his little electro shield thing that he can do that where he shocks everything around him and dalsim's just got that ridiculously long reach um and then you've got um is it guile that's just built like a brick shit house. And the sonic boom, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think more so the early Mortal Kombat's. I think in the later ones, the characters do feel a little bit more fleshed out now and do play a little bit more differently. Uh, but I know what you mean. For the very early ones, whether you picked Johnny Cage or is it Liu Kang, very similar, just the sprites are a little bit different. And yeah, you've got your different movesets, but they they don't feel like you're playing a different... And none of the characters really varied in weight or size, did they? They were all your bog standard sort of five foot, five foot eight to six foot four humans, depending on which character you picked. Whereas, like you say, in Street Fighter, you've got Blanker, who's this like a genetic experiment or something that's gone wrong. I think so, It's like yeah. a big hulking electrified bloke and then you've got dalsim who's very slim and and can move around quite quickly but has this massive reach then you've got e hondru can barely jump an inch off the ground but hits like a sledgehammer so yeah you've got all these different fighting styles and fighting types and it did feel you play as chun li and then you play as zangief and you two completely different styles whereas you play as sonya and then you play as johnny cage and the, you're not feeling much difference. So yeah, I get what you're saying there. The, the newer ones have done it a bit differently because the new Mortal Kombat's has so many characters. You do get these monstrous beings that are different sizes and handle differently. But yeah, in the earlier ones, definitely. And Street Fighter just did it right straight away. And I think that's why it's so easy to keep going back to it because especially when you don't have to pay in an arcade. So once you've got it onto a console... You might get up to level four or five and get beaten by someone, and then you just have this instant urge to, oh, I want to jump back in because I'm actually getting quite good with Dalsim now, so I want to see how much better I can get. Or you might get to level seven or eight, uh, like five or six, and be like, I'm not getting any better with this character. Maybe I'll try somebody who hits a bit harder and I don't have to move around as much. And yeah, you get that experimental 
element to it. And I think that's, yeah, that's what kept me coming back to it. Like I say, I wanted to try every character because they all felt so different. Yeah, the thing that always struck me with Street Fighter and one-on-one games as a genre, to be honest with you, is the how cheap it can get. The, the fighting if you're not particularly good at them you do end up just spamming the same attack that you know which is it usually back an a or something like that and you just sort of end up pushing an opponent into a corner and just sitting there pinning them in and just completely just chipping away at their health or you are faced with an opponent which is usually what they do with the bosses so like when you're on the harder modes or when you get to like the final boss of uh, street fighter 2 and they just dominate you to the point where you can't land a hit, and or you may land a hit and it knocks off a quarter centimetre of health, and then they just pound you into the dirt. And, and that's sort of, again, why I struggle with them as a, as a genre, really, because probably because I'm shit at it, but um, yeah, mostly because it, it either boils down to I'm just not good enough, or it's just cheap tactics, neither of which is enjoyable. I think my... My earliest massive experience with a one-on-one fighter wasn't Street Fighter. I played it, but it was, again, at friends' houses or in the arcade. My first full-on experience with a proper one-on-one fighter was Mortal Kombat 1 for Game Gear. So I was already up against it because it was the Game Gear version, so it wasn't the best thing in the world. The roster was limited. You didn't have a lot of screen to work with, but it was still quite fun, and they'd done a good job of porting it across. But the issue was, when you got to Goro... He just blocked everything. So you went to hit him, block, 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 block everything. And then he'd hit you with like one move and half your health would be gone. And it was the equivalent of somebody who was six foot four holding like a toddler at arm's length and just holding them there while they try and hit you and then just slamming them to the floor. And that's how every fight went for me. And and when I actually beat him, I was so over the moon. I remember it. And then there's, is it Shang Tsung or something that comes after him? who's even harder than him and can use everybody in the game's moves, including Goro. So for certain periods of that fight, he just turns into Goro and does exactly the same thing you've just had to fight against. And yeah, it took me absolutely ages to beat that game. And when I did, it was a real feeling of accomplishment. But looking back now, it was such a grind. I don't know how I persevered with it because I couldn't have been enjoying it by that point. It was pure, I need to finish this now. I've invested so much time in it. Whereas I never got that with Street Fighter to i always felt like it was like you say you get to m bison and he beats the hell out of you but it also feels a little bit fair and like every time you get back to him you get a bit better and you work out how you can beat him and what you need to do to beat him whereas with goro i just got lucky i wasn't skillful to do it i just managed to get a few lucky hits in and that got me into a cycle of his blocks not up so i can keep hitting him and it was pure luck whereas yeah street fighter 2 i always felt like it was earned so I think that's the big difference in those early versions anyway. Um, and but... you always, sorry, you always know what you've done wrong in Street Fighter. So if you get your ass kicked in Street Fighter, you know the point at which you messed up. You either overextended or you you got a bit too aggressive rather than backing off a little bit or you backed off and were too cautious when you should have been on an assault. Whereas in Mortal Kombat, like you say, it is just... I am permanently on the assault. I am not doing anything. I am going to go on the defense. Oh, he's killed me. Fair enough. Um, (laughs) Not sure what I could have done there. Yeah, so it it is... um... There was those differences for me in the early games. And like I say, I must have still had fun with Mortal Kombat. 
but just it didn't it wasn't on the same level and then you've got rise of the robots which i think i've mentioned previously which was just an abomination of a game <laughs> i mean yeah that that game would have made any other game look good so that's probably why i got into mortal kombat so much because my the only other fighting game i got was rise of the robots and i didn't want to play that i'm sure we'll come to some other one-on-one fighters later in the episode um, because there's quite a few that aren't in this list that really yeah. should be. For for one reason or another, I don't know why they've been excluded, but they have. And then there's some that probably shouldn't be in this list because they're a bit more modern, but probably worth a mention, such as, um, what's the DC one called? Oh, Injustice. Yeah, where there's all the different DC characters. And one-on-one fighters just lend themselves to crossover games, don't they? Perfectly. Yeah. It, it is the one thing that they really shine at. So I'm sure we'll talk about some of those. But seeing as it went down so well last week when we had Austin on, I've got a few little stats. I mean, they've called it Stat Fighter in the book, so they're on it there. Remember, this is 2016-ish, I think we established this book was from. So imagine you're in 2016. Some of these probably probably different now. Yeah. So, question one, how many games are in the Street Fighter 2 series? So I presume this is all the Super Street Fighter, Hyper Street Fighter nonsense we mentioned earlier on. How many different versions have there been? I'll go Lucky 13. No, only seven. Oh, okay, fair enough. Although, could be higher now. I don't think it is. I don't think they've done any more for quite a while, but you never know. No, don't suppose it lists them, does it? No, unfortunately it doesn't, but the the book would be half a mile long if it listed every (laughs) iteration of Street Fighter. So in Hyper Street Fighter 2, which I believe to be the the pinnacle, the one that's got everything in it. Right. How many character variations are there in it? So like all the base characters and then all their variations added together. Uh thirty-six. Sixty-five. Jesus. So I'm assuming that's outfit changes as well. Yeah, so different outfits. Like the geese and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So Mm. 65. So this next one's a bit of a... I I don't know what they're basing this on. This is an absolutely bizarre stat, so I don't think you've got any chance of getting this. The amount of earnings a Street Fighter 2 cabinet could bring in, but it doesn't say whether it's a day, a week, a month, the whole (laughs) lifetime of the cabinet. (laughs) Hmm. Uh... I don't know, and I know the answer, and I don't know what the question is, so I don't really know where to gauge this one. Twenty-five grand. The answer is a thousand pounds. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they're basing right. that on. Okay. Is that in a day? Is that in a month? Um, so the next one's as bad. The revenue from Street Fighter Two Champion Edition sales in Japan alone. So I think this means the whole of Japan for that particular cabinet. Oh, is that though? That's the actual game, isn't it? So it's the Champion Edition game. It's the cartridge. In Japan alone, and it's in yen, the revenue from that game selling. 20 million yen. 22.4 billion yen. Jesus. Wow. (laughs) I don't think you're as good as Austin was at this, but we'll crack No, weird weird that, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Although, to be fair, some some of the questions... Oh, Jesus. I could have just just finger in the air. I'm so glad I didn't read these before we started. Because (laughs) the estimated number of Street Fighter 2 cabinets operated in Mexico. (laughs) 
four. <laughs> 200,000. Jesus wept. I'm assuming it's really popular in Mexico then. So I'm not... I'm not going to ask you the next one because it's part of another thing we're going to do in a minute uh, to do with it. But they their calculation's different to the one I've done on that section, and I've counted it up from their book. So I don't really know what's happened here, but we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. So to follow up on the previous fact, so you remember this, 200,000 cabinets in Mexico, yeah? Number yeah. of Street Fighter II cabinets Cap- Capcom sold to Mexican operators. So of those 200,000 that were operational in Mexico, how many of them did Capcom actually sell to Mexican arcades? 50,000, and the rest were just sort of like replicas and chipped, sort of altered. None. <laughs> they didn't sell a single <laughs> wow. one of them. They just, they just lent them to them and then took them back. Brilliant. Okay. Either, or that, either that. I mean, it's not clear. It's either that or, like you say, Mexico just got them from somewhere else. Like yeah. second hand or stolen or faked or something. God, I really hope it's the first one and Capcom just lent them to them. And this is not implying <laughs> that Mexico stole 200,000 cabinets to dot around. We don't need encouraging Trump, really, do we? <laughs> so you had your 65 different character variations. Yeah. How many unique characters are in the Street Fighter 2 series? Playable or none. I assume playable. It doesn't say. I think they're all playable in the like hyper version, aren't they? I'm going to say in like the hyper version they are, but some of them are like CPU exclusive. Is it twelve? I've got twelve in my head somewhere. Seventeen. So they must have added quite oh, okay. a few in the later versions. So how many years did Street Fighter Two hold the record for best selling Capcom game? It doesn't tell you what usurped it either. That would have been a nice little fact, but fifteen. 15 years? 22 years. Wow. So I don't know what came out 22 years after 1991. Resident Evil 4, probably. Do you reckon? Yeah, that... 2006, probably Resident Evil 4. I don't don't know what's going on here. I'll, I'll read it out, but if you can decipher what it means better than I can, you can try and answer it. Least forgiving input time limit for a Shuyuken in Street Fighter 2 Turbo. I don't know what that means. They were just words strung together in a sentence that did 1.2 milliseconds. The answer is in frames, if that helps. Oh, in frames. Two. Eight. Hmm. And then the most forgiving input time limit for a Shuyuken in Street Fighter 2 Turbo. 24. 15. So does that mean you've got between 8 and 15 frames to key in that button combination for it to actually work? Yeah. That is mental. That's like fractions of a second, isn't it, to do it? A... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's the that's the the facts out of the way. Not not quite on on standard of Austin with uh, World of Warcraft, but to be fair, given that a quarter of those facts didn't make any sense, I think you've done quite well. <laughs> and there was no context given to any of it. So there's also I mean, I know this episode is is sort of nosedived into me just reading this book by this point, but I'm sure you'll forgive us because there's not an awful lot to say about Street Fighter 2. I've, I've got a little anecdote for you after this, uh, <laughs> and then we're going to talk about some other games. But other than that, yeah, I don't really know where to begin on this one. Um, so did you know, so Eddie, I'm posing you that question, there's a hidden catch-up mechanic in Street Fighter 2. If your opponent has won more rounds than you, your throw will deal extra damage to help you out a little bit. 
Oh, so they've essentially rubber banded it, like they do with yeah, so stuff like Mario Kart. They've rubber banded a uh, a fighting game. Oh, interesting. Uh, in order to clue players into the essence of special moves, every button press in the original arcade version carries a one in five hundred and twelve chance of just triggering a special move. Okay. So that explains how I've probably done quite a few special moves, because I didn't know any of the button combinations. I just must have got lucky in a 1 in 512 chance that it's actually done something. Mm. I mean, that's fairly interesting. Like, I didn't know that. So that is, I'll give them props to that one, for the magazine, for no, for giving me that fact, because, yeah, I didn't know about that. The team's original intention was that all projectiles could be avoided by crouching, but those plans were scrapped due to how good the now-familiar Hadouken animation looked. Oh. That one's less interesting. Nope, that's not a good fact. I'm not reading that one out. Uh, DJ's trousers. I don't know who DJ is. He wasn't one of the original characters, was he? So he must be like an addition in one of the later versions. Yeah. We're originally going to bear the word Mantis, but the word was changed to read Maximum because the word still read properly when the sprite was flipped. How? Isn't that a palindrome? No. If it was flipped, it would say... <laughs> Mummy Axam. <laughs> this sounds like bollocks. <laughs> they just made that up, surely. <laughs> Somebody research that and send us the answer on Facebook. Because that can't be right. That's that. That doesn't work. <laughs> if they'd said mum on them, then yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Unless like the <sighs> the maxi bit was on one arse cheek and the mum was on the other and it's you only see the mum side of it when the <laughs> yeah. that's the only way that could work surely right moving swiftly on because I'm, I'm not happy with that the magazine has also given me a little list of all the different consoles and places that you could get street fighter 2 so i'm going to see how many of them eddie can name because that's fun uh <laughs> So this is where the discrepancy is, because I've counted them all that they've listed, and there's 18. But in that little facts and figures thing, they claim 24 different platforms received an official version. But okay. they've only listed 18, so I will only take the 18 on the list. So I've got my pen in hand, let's begin. Uh, so SNES? Yes, correct, one. Uh, do, do they include arcade cabinet in that, or are we talking ports after the arcade? No, they don't list arcade cabinet. Okay, I know there was a Game Boy version, which yes. was not received well at all. That was a lousy port. Um, well, Master System, Sega Saturn, because that was around about the same time as the SNES. Master System and Saturn, yeah. PC. PC and ooh, mm, yeah, PC Engine. I give you that. DOS. There you go, DOS. That's also on there. Original PlayStation. Yeah, PlayStation. PlayStation 2. Yes, PS2. I get the feeling they didn't do one for the PS3. No. PS4. Not listed, but could be okay. due to the age of the book. Oh, probably. Um, Xbox, the original. Yes. Uh, PSP. Yep. Uh... You got nine so far. The old favourite that is ZX Spectrum. Yes, and it looks horrific. Oh, I can imagine. Um, <laughs> did you say there was one for the Wii? No, so that's not listed on here. Hmm. Didn't they do a mobile phone version? Mobile, yeah. Uh, Commodore 64. 
Yes, which looks slightly nicer than the Deluxe <laughs> Spectrum, but not much. And the only other two consoles I can think of from that time, which is the Amiga yep. and the Atari ST. Yep. And that is about where it stops for me. I think I don't think I can think of any other consoles. Does it go up to like 360? No, so you've got three left right. to get. Uh, one of them is very similar to one you've already said, but they split it out for some reason. So Is it the Atari? No, you've already said mobile. Oh, iOS. Yeah, so there's a separate iOS version. So there's two left, one which I don't expect you to ever get in a million years, and one that is so obvious you'll kick yourself that you've not said it. No, I'm not going to get it. So you said Master System, but you didn't say Mega Drive. Mega Drive! Damn it, as soon as you (laughs) said Master System, I was like, yep, there's one. And the version that I don't think you would ever get was the Sharp X6-8000. Which I've I don't never heard of until now. Heard of. No. So there you go. You didn't do bad on that one. I'll give you... Uh, I'll you've clawed some respect back there on that one. <laughs> I don't know what the other ones are to make it up to 24, but they didn't feature them. So yeah, that that's our fun with uh, Street Fighter 2, because we're like, what what can we say about it? So the, I think the only other thing to, to mention about it, and it's not... I don't even suppose it's that interesting of a story unless you're you or me or uh, Kev. But Kev, who you mentioned earlier, friend of the channel, who we went to college with, was a huge fan of Street Fighter. Big, big fan, weren't he? Street Fighter 2, and he was incredibly good at it. And where we went to college, it was a little market town, and in the the town centre there was a a covered market. Uh, Well, still is a covered market. We went in a few weeks ago, but you you don't want to spend too much time in there these days. Uh, It looks like a level out of Call of Duty, doesn't it? But just really (laughs) low-budget Call of Duty. But there was, uh, I don't think he's there anymore, but there used to be a stand in there called Johnny Joysticks, which sold mostly second-hand games, wasn't it? I think he was yeah. mainly a trade-in place. So he got a few new ones, but mostly it was bring us your games, we'll give you slightly less than they're actually worth in, in credit, and you can take other games off of us. And it went on for years. It was really popular, wasn't it? And, and it was always yeah. doing well anyway. Uh, Johnny Joysticks was in one day. I, I presume that's what the guy was called that ran it. I mean, you wouldn't name it after someone else, would you? And his son was with him, Johnny Joysticks Jr. And we, <laughs> Kev had gone in to get, I think he'd gone in to buy a game, hadn't he, or something, and got into a little dispute with Johnny Joysticks Jr. because he was playing Street Fighter 2 behind the counter and claimed that he was the best Street Fighter 2 player in the world ever. Um, and I think they made some sort of wager whereby if Kev beat him, he got the game for free. And if Johnny Joysticks Jr. won, Kev paid like double for the game or something stupid like that. And then Kev just absolutely annihilated this poor kid to the point that he ran off crying. And his dad had to honour the deal and and hand this free (laughs) game over. And um, yeah, that was was something to behold because you don't see stuff like that happen every day. But other than that, I don't really have any good stories about... I mean, that one's not great, but I don't have any other good stories about Street Fighter 2. It's just one of those games that always feels like it's been there, and I could go back to it now and play it quite happily, but it's never going to be in my favourite list, no. uh, just because I'm not good at them. I suppose if I was good at one-on-one fighters, yeah, I'd play it all the time, but it just isn't my genre of game, unfortunately. No, even massive Marvel fan and that I am, even stuff like Marvel vs. Capcom just leaves me cold. I've I've tried every time they brought a new one out, I'm like, 
this is the one where I sit down and I actually get good at it. I think I've got the collector's edition of, I think it's Infinite, that had all the Infinity Stones in it. And it's a huge chest thing that's got um, two Capcom characters and two Marvel characters, and then you get the Infinity Stones in the uh, box as well. Oh, is that the one where the stones didn't look quite as nice as they did on the promotional materials? That's the one, the old bait and switch that game <laughs> companies seem to do. Looking at you, Bethesda. <laughs> but yeah, I remember looking year. at that and nearly biting. I was so close and I was like, oh, I don't know, it's a lot of money. And then I remembered reading the reports afterwards that like, these stones do not look good. They <laughs> look like little no. plastic shells with lights built into the bottom of them. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's just, that's exactly what they look. I think I bought it for thirty quid off game when they were trying to clear it. So oh, I was you like, can't complain for that, can you? A Capcom and a Marvel thing. I'll have that. It's a collector's edition, and I think it's still worth about thirty quid. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think it's gone up in value. But yeah, the Infinity Stones don't look great. But yeah, every year I think every year they bring one out. I think this is the year I'm actually going to get good at one-on-one fighters. Because I love the characters from both Capcom side of it and Marvel side of it, and I just suck at it every time. I don't think I've ever won a fight in Marvel versus Capcom. I just get annihilated every time I play it. I had the one where you that can is... like pick. Is it like where you pick three fighters and they tag in and yeah. out, and I just get destroyed every time I play it. They don't even have to tag their second person in; they can just smash through me in one go. Yeah, that is one of the series that is just cheap it is horrifically cheap from the cpu in particular so the computer uh, opponent is just will just pin you in a corner and just keep uh, prodding you with the weakest attacks and then just hit a super move because they've built up the bar and just annihilate all three of your characters um but yeah I'll, i'll i'll convince myself that next time another one comes out that i'll give it the time and effort that it needs, and I won't. Right, let's give a score to Street Fighter, and then we can potentially talk about a few other bits, because I've got a, a fun, interesting announcement to make. Well, I've, I know I've said that like it's sarcastic. It's not. It is genuinely quite a fun and interesting announcement to make. So uh, let's get this rated, and then we can move on to that. I was thinking around the 75 mark, because I've got to give it points for how influential it is, like we always say. But not just influential, the fact that also how long it survived oh, yeah. as a standalone game that can still sell units in this in this day and age. I've got a little bit more love for it now, knowing that how the extent that the Mexicans went to to <laughs> smuggle it into their arcades. <laughs> Giving it a couple of points for that as well. But yeah, looking at what we've already got on the list, I don't know, it's seventy five puts it on par with Elder Scrolls Oblivion. So I don't know if I'd like to maybe go a bit lower, maybe at like 70. 70 sounds good, because like you say, it's influential. It's tight with Portal 1 and 2, which seems fair enough. Like you say, yeah, influential game. Fun for those. I mean, it's a a brilliant game for people who know how to play it. And the fact that I have enjoyed playing it quite a bit despite knowing no way how to play it and being absolutely terrible at it, I suppose is the mark of a good game because I've had fun with something that I have no right to play, really, because I'm that bad at it. Yeah, and I think to to sort of justify putting it 30 points below, you know, like the top, the, the top spot, it's not one of those games you can just pick up and play. You do need to practice at it 
to be anywhere near decent at it. It's not like Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty, if you're playing single player, you can just, if you are au fait with a game controller, you can pick up a Call of Duty or like a, a farming sim game like Animal Crossing or something like that, and the rules are explained to you, so ignoring that, you could just pick it up and play it and you'd be okay and you'd be relatively good at it. Whereas Street Fighter and one-on-one fighters in particular, if it's something like hand-eye coordination and stuff like that isn't your thing, you are not going to get good at this game. It is just one of those genres where Dark Souls, if you can't get in that headspace of stamina management, dodging and stuff like that and not just running in with a sword, swinging it wildly you're not going to get good at it. It it is just going to leave you cold. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those that you can't fluke a win in, I suppose. Like you say, Call of Duty, you can point and shoot and you might get off a lucky shot. If you you booted up Street Fighter 2 and you've never played it before and you play against somebody who's been playing it for 10 years, you're not going to get a lucky win against them. The The first, well, ever, not just the first time. It is one of those where... I mean, I don't think I could... I could play it from now until I die, and I don't think I could ever get as good as people who've been playing it for 30 years because they're going to have that 30 years on me all the time. Do you know what I mean? Even if somebody plays it a a month before you start playing it, they're always going to have that month on you. So if you both keep consistently playing it, they're always technically going to be better unless somebody comes along who's got this natural gift for combo management and and that hand-eye coordination, like you say, that is pin like pin perfect like we said what was it eight to 15 frames you've got to get off a move yeah ridiculous when you think about it and i know it's only i think a hadouken's like back down a or something isn't it so it's not a long combination yeah but to get that off in a split second it's and that's one of the most simple moves compared to some of the other stuff on there it's just one of those yeah you're never gonna you're never gonna fluke a win in it and just enjoy it as a first time player i suppose so yeah, I think 70 is justified. If we were both really good one-on-one fighter players, we'd have probably had it up in the 80s or 90s because it is that good. But for us, I think 70 is the fair place to put it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, sort of in essence of looking at what not necessarily just one-on-one fighters, but the fighter genre anyway, if you look at something like Smash Brothers, that is something you could pick up and be instantly good at and be better at than someone that's played it for decades because the button inputs are so much simpler you don't have combos as such you can combo moves together so like captain falcon with his with the raptor boost that he does into like the falcon dive or what have you that you can combo together but they are very simple a b back and a and then your smash attacks which are hold forward and a to do a stronger smash attack so that that's kind of why I get on better with Smash Brothers, I think, because it is so much simpler and it is just more fun to just be able to pick up and play. I don't have to get good at it. I think the other thing about Smash Brothers is as well, you've got the chance to move away. Yeah. So the stages are often so vast, you can jump away from your opponent and compose yourself for a little bit or go and find an item that gives you the edge whereas street fight you don't get that luxury if you back yourself away from them too much they're just going to pin you in a corner and batter you yeah so you don't get that time to think either so yeah i do prefer smash brothers as well it's like the the baby's first one-on-one fighter and that appeals to me a lot more (laughs) 
So, in terms of other one-on-one fighters, uh, before we get into other ones that we might be fond or not so fond of, are you familiar with Guilty Gear? I had Guilty Gear X for the Mm. Dreamcast. It was one of the few one-on-one fighters other than... I can never remember the other, the name of the other one-on-one fighter, but it was weird. It was like an isometric top-down one-on-one Power fighter. Stone. Power Stone. That's it. And that was quite good. But yes, I I know Guilty Gear from that aspect in that I had it. Bit anime, bit mangary. Yeah, so Guilty Gear came out in 1998 for the PS1. And I think I had the PS1 version. I I vaguely remember having this like you say, very anime-inspired one-on-one fighter, and I've, I remember being quite good at it, and I think I've had another, it might have been the Dreamcast version, to be fair, I've had another iteration of it, and always, yeah, it's one of those that always, I always forget about it, but it's in my head, do you know what I mean? It's stuck in there, and yeah. when it gets brought up, I think, oh yeah, I used to really enjoy that. So they released a new one called Strive in 2019, and Level 99 Games, who are a board game company who have been incredibly nice to us over on the Bucket List Board Gamers podcast and sent us some review copies that we're working on, have got a brand new board game coming out that's got the Guilty Gear license on it. So it's going to be the Guilty Gear Strive board game. And it is a one-on-one fighter in a board game, essentially, which sounds really intriguing. So yeah, it's two-player only. It's quite a light card game, and it's yeah, it's, it's quite quick as well. There's not too much to it that it takes you ages. I think it's like 15, 20-minute games, so they're quite oh. quick, and you can get through them and, and have a good time with it. And yeah, they've, um, they've been kind enough to send us a demo deck to try it out. Now, currently, as we record this, and I probably shouldn't have even told you, but I'm sure you won't tell anyone, there is like an embargo and an NDA on it and everything, so there's no information about this out there at the minute. As, as we record this a few days before we're going to put it live. By the time you are hearing this, the embargo will have lifted. It, it lifts on Friday. So by the time you guys are hearing this, that embargo will have lifted and there will be information out there. So do please feel free to go and look at it. I'll put some links in the description of this episode. And yeah, the, the only issue I've got so far is, so I've got the demo decks and the cards and the artwork looks beautiful on them and it is all taken from like the game style on the cards. And the problem is they haven't released the rule set yet until after the embargo. <laughs> so I've got all the cards and I've got the mat and everything ready to play it, but I don't know how to play it yet because that is one of the pieces of information that's been held back. So I can I can tell you it looks amazing and I can... You can get a, an idea of how it's going to play looking at the cards. So they, they all do different... There's, there's different abilities on each card, and then each card has also got ratings like speed, power, block, that kind of thing on them. And looking at the table layout, it looks like you can lay multiple cards to do combos and that kind of thing to, to cancel out your opponents. And So yeah, it's looking... I, I wish I could tell you more about how it plays, but at the minute I'm just not sure. But looking at the artwork on it and, and everything, if, if you're a Guilty Year fan, you're really going to enjoy this game, I would say, because it looks like they've been very faithful. I mean, Level 99 Games themselves, are they're big gamers. They're, they're lovely people, and they're big gamers themselves. So the majority of their games have got a video game element to it, which I think is why we got on so well when we met at, met them at UKG. So what some of the other games they've done, well, the main one gaming-wise is Dead by Daylight. They made the board game version of that, which, again, they've they've been kind of to send us a review copy of, and I've had a look at, and it is, again, very faithful 
to the, the video game version, it plays very similarly, but it's, it's obviously a different experience because you're not online, you're all sat around a table playing it together. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited for this one because I think it's going to be really good. So check the description for the episode if you want to know more about it, because by the time you're hearing this, there will be more information out. And also, they are giving away some of these demo decks that I've got. They've only got a limited number of them, but I will put the link in the, the description to try and get your hands on one of these demo decks, uh, which comes with a couple of decks of cards for two different characters, a little fold-out poster-like playmat, and a couple of coins that say Hell and Heaven on, which are integrated into the gameplay somehow. So yeah, I just thought I'd mention that because they have been really, really good with us, especially, as I say, over on the, the board gaming side of things on our sister podcast, Bucketless Board Gamers. If anybody out there likes playing board games, go and uh, check their podcast out. And because this one ties into the video game side of it and the fact we're doing Street Fighter, it just seemed daft not to bring it up on the, on the podcast. So hopefully once I've got the rules of the game, me and Eddie will have a game of it and we can talk about it on a future episode as well because it is going to Kickstarter as well. So there'll be lots more information about it and we'll be recommending whether or not to kickstart it once we've played it as well. So yeah, just thought I'd give that a mention. I don't know if that's something that interests you. Yeah, um, I mean, Guilty Gear's up there with like Dragon Quest in terms of popularity. Um, as in like it it pretty much gets its own national holiday in Japan every time a new uh, <laughs> version of it's released. Um, but yeah, uh, the artwork has always been something that really stuck with me because it's it's better quality anime and manga as well. It's like proper, it's over the top, but then everything in anime and manga is over the top anyway. But the artwork is stunning, particularly for a one-on-one fighter. And the card system I can see working quite well because in the game you get like reversals where you're able to yeah. sort of reverse moves and parries and stuff like that. So I can see that working really well. Plus the roster of characters in the last Guilty Gear was huge. It was like 20 to 30 characters. Yeah, this is it. I don't want to speculate on how they're going to do the game in case I give out information that doesn't end up being accurate, but the demo deck comes with two characters' decks, so I presume maybe the full version you're going to get more character decks, but then I wouldn't be surprised if they also did expansions that add more character decks in. So you're going to get a scenario where if they can balance it right, Every game's going to be very different if you keep swapping in and out characters and playing with different decks. So it it sounds like it's got a lot of life to it. And like you say, the artwork, if you're a fan of the artwork in Guilty Gear, all these cards have got unique, well, I don't know if the unique, I assume the unique to the game, artwork on each card. So each type of card has a different artwork of that particular character on it. And they all look, even for the demo decks, which are not indicative of the the full game, usually, uh, still look brilliant. So I think it is going to be one that if you're a Guilty Gear fan, this is going to be a big one for you. So hopefully, yeah, we can bring you a bit more information on that one in a couple of weeks' time, I would guess. But yeah, moving back on to other uh, one-on-one fighters. I mean, there's loads, isn't there? But I mean, Mortal Kombat's the big one that's missing from this book, I think, just based on when it came out and how influential it was. Yeah, it is a surprising one because it is... It's a popular franchise. I mean, they're on... Mortal Kombat 11 now, are they? Which is essentially... They've just called Mortal Kombat, which I hate when they (laughs) just go back to calling it the original game's title. It's like like when they do Tomb Raider. Oh, it's Tomb Raider. 
which which one 1994 2006 which, which version are you on about but yeah there, there have been so many and like i said previously they have monetized it out the ass I think Mortal Kombat X was particularly bad for that because you could pay to have combos done for you. So like easy combos, it's like... Yeah, you got, um, I think they're called K tokens, aren't they? And it basically yeah. just does the finisher for you. So if you can't be bothered yeah. to put the finisher combination in and you want to see it, you spend the K token. But then you have to buy them or find them in like, you had like a catacombs mode. Where you scavenge around a catacomb, but you could only do that so many times unless you paid money to do it some more times. So yeah, it was all number ten was so geared towards microtransactions, it was unbelievable. And as much as everyone got really annoyed and hated it, people still played it loads anyway. So they probably just went, Oh well, so what? People got a bit upset, but we made loads of money off it, so Yeah. The thing that confused me about it though was the whole injustice thing anyway. Because they did Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe as a game, and then they just carried on and did Injustice, which is essentially the same thing. And like you say, superheroes do fit so well into one-on-one fighters because everything in them's over the top. The finishing moves and the the stages you can set up within like superhero universes. It, it pretty much limitless um and the characters the roster of characters i mean jesus christ marvel and dc have been going for like 60 odd years you've got a 60 odd year worth of roster to potentially put into a game so no wonder they leech out into these other areas of pop culture i did like injustice too just because of the the amount of familiar characters that it's got in it i mean you could you could spend four or five hours just trying out all the characters in Injustice 2, and getting a little bit familiar with them. And and as somebody who, like, at the time was watching Flash and Arrow and, and all those different DC shows, to then play that, and they're not exactly the same versions of Flash and Arrow and, and the more comic book versions, but it's still there, do you know what I mean? You can get that out of yeah. it. And then you've got Superman, Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was fun uh, to play yeah. as them because they sort of play as one character, even though there's four of them, which is pretty cool. And then who else did you have? There's so many characters, weren't there, in there? You don't even know where to start. So I had a lot of fun with that one, even though, again, not particularly good at it. Although I think they did put in some sort of cheaty little, you could map combos to your triggers. So you could hit yeah. the trigger buttons and it'd make it look like you were good at playing the game, even though you probably still weren't so i appreciated that but for me the game that really should be in this list that is nowhere to be seen is tekken 2 just tekken really any of them because they've again it's been a series that's lasted i mean it's had some absolute shite shows of uh releases but there have been some like really standout titles from the tekken team i just think tekken 2 is like the pinnacle for me, of one-on-one fighters, because it's one that I'm not bad at, despite me still not being particularly good with those kinds of games. For some reason, Tekken 2, I really did gel with, and I could pull off a lot of the moves, and I could do quite well at it. Still frustratingly hard when you get to Angel and Devil at the end, and they just annihilate you. Or more so in Tekken 3, with like, was it Ogre and Super Ogre or something, the last two in that one? And they were merciless in just hitting you with long-range stuff that you couldn't get out of the way of. But yeah, I really like Tekken, and I just like, it's quirky as well, isn't it? So... A lot of the storylines, if you could call them that, are just weird. Who is it that goes off with 
Kuma and Panda, is it Paul? Randomly, the end of his game in three is that he leaves with a panda or something. And it's, I don't know where they've got this stuff from, but it sort of works. Yeah. Um, the only other one that really springs to mind outside of Tekken is Soul Calibur, for me, anyway. Just about to say that, yeah. Because I had it on the Dreamcast. I I think I, I did buy the GameCube version, just had to check. Because that had Link in it. They did an exclusive character on each version. So the GameCube one had Link. I think the PS3 had Darth Vader. No, I think was PS3 not Ihachi from Tekken. It was from Tekken. And then, yeah, so the Xbox will have been Vader. And then mm. you've got Yoda on all three as well. Yeah. As like a bonus character. And again, I think the difference between Soul Calibur and a lot of one-on-one fighters is the fact that you have that sort of 3D movement where you can walk round each other and sort of pivot rather than it just being two-dimensional forward and back. Yeah, I think I think you got that in later Tekken games, didn't you? But I think mm. the thing that singles Soul Calibur out for me is the ring out. So if you knock somebody close enough to the edge, you can win just by attrition. Basically, you can keep battering them towards the edge, knock them out of the arena, and you instantly get a win. And that just plays into some of the stages because you'll be fighting on top of a volcano or something. So it makes sense that if somebody kicked you over the edge of it, you're not coming back. Whereas when like Virtua Fighter did it, you fell off a one-inch ledge and it was like, nope, you're out. And that didn't sort of make any sense. Whereas in, in Soul Calibur, at least it does. And Soul Calibur had that very weird one-player game, didn't it? Where it was like a an adventure... Yeah. And you went through cubes or something and, and it opened up like a story, but it wasn't really a story. And you could unlock different no. characters through it and get money and could you do upgrades? And it was a bit RPG and stuff like that. Yeah, and each stage had like a a limitation placed on it. So you either had like a time limit or you could only use strong attacks or you could only use grapples or you had to win by ring out or something like that. So yeah, it would... Th- Again, weird, but then Mortal Kombat's done something similar with the, um, I forget what they call it, the Underworld sort of thing, which again, mm. like you mentioned earlier, was is like a bit of a an RPG-esque thing where you can go through catacombs and unlock belt buckles and accessories <laughs> for characters yeah. that you're never going to use in a million years just so they can flog your loot boxes, but... Yeah, there's, there's loads when you actually think about the one-on-one fighter genre. There's loads to say that it's not a particularly popular genre, really. It's not very it's, mainstream. It's niche, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very niche genre for the people that enjoy it. And there are a lot yeah. of those people out there. But like you say, it's not It's not got the widespread appeal of a RPG. Oh, and, and even their niche in themselves. And I'd say yeah. there's still a lot more open than a a one-on-one fighter but it's not got the widespread appeal of a sports game or a general platformer or those types of games so yeah the 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 fact that there are so many notable ones in a in an area that has its own very limited fan base is is quite commendable i suppose and i think that's probably because of the amount of characters that they can add in really if if what if, if the standard roster doesn't appeal to you, I mean, going back to Mortal Kombat, you've literally got things like Terminator, Alien, <laughs> Predator. They've literally reached out into so many franchises that will draw people in as like, oh my god, that game's got um like Freddy in it or Jason um mm. from 
or just Mike Myers. And it's just like you can just keep expanding the roster because as long as they have some sort of physical presence and you could envisage them in combat at some level, they can be in a one-on-one fighter. I'd love a one-on-one fighter with Mike Myers striding in. Just Austin Powers walks in, <laughs> starts beating yeah. the hell out of someone. Yeah. Transforms in, transforms into Shrek. <laughs> I bet Shrek's had a one-on-one fighting game. I bet there's a Shrek one-on-one fighter out there somewhere. You, you are probably correct in that. I mean, there's even stuff like Transformers one-on-one fighting games. So it doesn't matter what sort of bit of pop culture you're interested in. There will have been a one-on-one fighter for it. I'm almost certain I've played a few Godzilla one-on-one fighters. Yeah, there'll be Godzilla Definitely. ones. Like you say, there's a, and some of them will be terrible, uh, and some of them will be niche to the point of unless you love one-on-one fighters and that franchise, you're not getting anything out of it. But they always seem to do all right within that pocket of people. The only one I can think of that hasn't been done that I'm amazed hasn't is Simpsons. I mean, I know they did Simpsons wrestling which was technically a one-on-one fighter, but it was just terrible. But yeah, I'm surprised there hasn't been a straight-up one-on-one fighter Simpsons game on a 2D plane where you could just pick all the characters and they play like Street Fighter. Yeah, even if you did it so that it was like crossover between that and there's the Netflix thing, which is Disenchantment, isn't there? And um, Futurama. And you just sort of brought all that in together. I think I am pretty sure there's a Family Guy one-on-one fighter. There is a Shrek fighter. It's called Shrek Super Slam. I have literally just Googled it. (laughs) But there's even a Star Wars one-on-one fighter, uh, which was Dark Forces. I think there's more um, than one because one of them is terrible. Because I think like dark forces, <laughs> is it? Isn't there like half the roster have lightsabers and half don't? And if you pick someone that doesn't, you're just going to get annihilated straight away. Yeah, essentially. And it's just like, <laughs> why would you do that? Why? <laughs> it makes sense if it's a one-on-one lightsaber fighter, not man with gun <laughs> versus man with glowy stick that can sort of sear your pancreas. But now, now we'll put them. <laughs> we'll pitch them against each other. So yeah, it's an enduring game type that I don't think will ever go away. I think you'll always see one-on-one fighters just because of, if nothing else, that nostalgia for the arcade, because that is where they were best, isn't it? That's where they... Yeah. Like you say, I think you said it about 10 or 15 episodes ago, you go into arcades now and they're porting games from consoles back into arcade machines to play one-on-one fighters in arcades when you can get it at home, the exact same game. Just because that atmosphere and that control style, I think it's the it's the control style that really does it for an arcade, isn't it? Because not everyone's got these huge arcade boards at home that they can use. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere. Uh, I don't think there's any more in the list. So I think that's us done for one-on-one fighters. Thank God, I wouldn't know what else to say. <laughs> exactly. So I think we've covered it all in this one. I don't think there's much else to say, unless you've got any others you want to bring up. No, I think that was it, really. Uh, I mean, there's there's always the uh, old reliable Primal Rage. <laughs> <which laughs> yeah, we was... forgot about Primal Rage. <laughs> which, was, which was essentially Godzilla, really. Because um, <laughs> they were all sort of like kaiju-esque things and... Hmm. A giant monkey with a mohawk that threw farts at you and like velociraptors and T-Rexes and stuff that just kicked the shit out of each other. And that was okay. Oh, I've got one. Do you remember Clay Fighters? 
No. You don't remember Clay Fighters? I think they did Clay Fighters for N64, or is it like Clay Fighters 33 and a third or something? Yeah, oh. Clay Fighters 63 and a third. I do now you've said it. It's the, the snowman and the yeti thing. Yeah. Yeah, so it was all like stop motion claymation, but it was a fighter. And I remember that game being amazing. One of my friends had it for N64 and we used to play it all the time and thought it was the best thing ever. And it was only recently I learned that that game got so much hate, everyone (laughs) despised it. And we used to love it because we thought it was really funny, the animations and stuff on it. But yeah, looking back now, it doesn't play well. But it was so unique at the time. I think that one deserved a little mention there, even though it's probably not worth your time to go and play it. And if you're a younger member of the audience, please, whatever you do, don't Google it, because the cover is haunting. It's horrifying. I think that's one of the probably earliest examples of guest fighters, though, because they had Earthworm Jim in one of the versions. Yeah. Because I think it was the same publisher, so they got Earthworm Jim in, who had nothing to do with it, but it was like a guest character, so that, that might have been the uh, the genesis of guests in fighting games. So maybe it does have a claim to fame in there somewhere. But no, I think we've said enough now. We, there's not much more we can say on on one on one fighters as people who are not fans of one on one fighters. So I've got a couple of things to get through before we just finish. Before I talk about our lovely patrons, I just wanted to mention a game that I found. I saw somebody playing it on YouTube, and I think it's probably going to be quite a big thing when it... Well, it might not be, to be fair, but for me, it appealed straight away. And I know we talked about Earthbound fairly recently, so I thought I'd just mention it to you. So it's called Crush the Industry by... And I need to be very careful when I say this. Cognoggin Games. And what it is at the the minute, it's in early access. It's £12.79 on Steam. So it's not cheap, but it's not expensive. There is a demo if you want to download the demo and play it completely free. And what it is, it's... It's taken the style of Earthbound Battles and put them into like a roguelike game. So you pick your starting player, and there's three to choose from when you first boot the game. One plays standard, one plays aggressive, one plays defensive. And you start off with five moves and a perk, or whatever it is. And then you get thrown into this four-tier building, like an office block, and you start on the bottom layer. And you have to do so many tasks, you've got like a task thing. But it's basically just levels until you get to the boss. And most of them are just, you've got to do a fight. But then some of them you'll have three options like revive your health, fight a really hard boss, or go to a shop and buy items and that kind of thing. And you work your way through doing these earthbound-ish fights. But it's all very tongue-in-cheek, so it's like one of the fights you'll have is against an angry Karen who works on one of the office desks, and she's very prickly, so every time you hit her, she does damage to you because she's got thorns and and that kind of thing. And, yeah, it's all quite that that sort of meta humor but you just go through it and try and get as far as you can each time and i assume if you get to level four you can finish it but at the end of certain rounds you get to add moves to your hand or you can ask for some health back or you can add a new perk or you can upgrade a move and all that kind of thing and it's just a lot of fun it's it's one of those like almost brainless i don't really need to think about this until i get to a later fight and then it gets a bit more technical but yeah it's really good fun i think for 12 pound 79 for early access because it's going to get bigger they're going to expand it is a, is a real deal and i've i've had a lot of fun with it already a bit frustrating when it gets to that point in the game where you know you can't win because it does the 
when I say earthbound theme, so it looks very earthbound in its animation and graphics. But what it also does is your health doesn't immediately remove itself when you get hit. So if, ah. if you get hit for like 50, it will tick down from 90 to 50. And if you use any items in that time, it will stop the decay of health. Or if you win the fight before it hits zero, you still don't lose. So that's the, that's the main earthbound core function to it, I suppose. But yeah, check it out because it is really fun and the writing's really clever. And I've had a lot of fun with it already. I only bought it a couple of days ago and I've been playing through it. I can't get past the second level's boss. But yeah, I definitely recommend giving it a go. I shall have a look at that and give it a download. So I wanted to mention that while it was still current, because I, I have a feeling it is going to be one of those that like loads of YouTubers play and it gets really popular. So I thought I'd uh, I'd get that one in early for our, our listeners if they want to give it a go. Right, Patreon. Time to say thank you to all our lovely uh, patrons. So we've got in the couple of coins tier, Lee this week. And on the Bucket Kickers tier, we've got the Sweaty Llama and Dino Dini. And right up the top there at the minute on the Avatarnish tier, as you as uh, always, we've got Atropos. So thank you to all you guys for once again supporting our channel. Uh, thank you for all the feedback we've had about Austin being on last week. First guest episode we've done, so we were a bit curious to find out how the dynamic changed and whether people would like it, but everybody loved him. So I think we should basically just hand the channel over to him and we'll we'll yeah, hang our boots up and it could be his his channel from now on. But no, thank you for all that feedback. It's much appreciated. And yeah, if you want to become one of our patrons and get early access to our bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash bucketlessgamers and sign up there for any tier, bucket kicker and above. We'll get you those perks. We do have a bonus episode in the pipeline. I've just been far too unwell to edit it recently so as soon as i've uh, i've healed a little bit we'll get that on there for you we are looking at potentially doing videos as well youtube and that kind of thing we're just currently figuring out the best way to do that and what potential content we could put on there whether it is lifting and shifting these episodes with a bit of background gameplay footage or whether we do something completely different like let's play videos or the the thing we're pondering doing which doesn't really fit in with the show but it does at the same time is Pokemon card openings because we've both pre-ordered far too much of the new well the upcoming Pokemon set 151 and it'd be fun to just open them on camera I think so there's a <laughs> There's me and Eddie, and then there's one of our other friends called Jordan who's bought a load of it as well. And we said it might be fun to just stick a camera pointing downwards and just open a load of packs and see what we get. It'd be fun for us. I don't know if it'd be fun for anyone else, but we might do that. So, yeah, we are looking at other avenues for you guys to get more content, whether some of that will become patron exclusive as well. I don't know. If that's something we could potentially do, we might look at doing that. I know you can do live streams and stuff on there. So it's all in the pipeline, but we just need to figure out the best way for it to to, uh, be brought to you guys. So, yeah, with that out of the way and this episode running stupidly long despite being about street fighter two of all things i will say that's goodbye from me and that's goodbye from me (laughs) 